Hello, hello, hello. We are officially on our fourth episode for No Matter Where, No Matter When podcast. If you are just joining us for the first time, welcome. If you have been listening and have listened to our first three episodes, welcome back. So I feel like we've had a pretty good start. And we plan on to get into this, releasing one episode a week. I think that's our goal. Yes. Um, and kind of a wide spectrum of topics. Mm-hmm. So to preface this for anybody that is listening, I would say if you have children around, you should probably be putting in an AirPod or not listening around them because we do drop uh, curse words. Yeah, we have kind of vulgar mouths. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some illicit content. Uh, just just a preface. And then we are not professionals. This is just us having conversations about topics that we feel either are near and dear to us or just have been weighing on us that we kind of want to talk about. Um, so don't come at us, bro. Yeah, we're just giving our opinions based on our experiences. And then inputs on people that have interacted with our social media. Yep. So our episode today is going to be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. We are going to be talking about memories. Memories. <laughs> Cute cats. Or at a Maroon 5's. It's one of my favorite songs is Memories. Um, so we had posted a question out on our social media pages about memories. And the question was, what do memories mean to you? So I think that's where we're going to start. What would you say when you talk about memories? What does it mean to you, like memories in general? I think it would be based on like the first memories that come to mind. Okay. Which would be of my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most vivid memory I have, interestingly enough, is not the later ones before he passed. Mm-hmm. But I remember walking to Shul, or for those of you that don't know, Shul is another word for synagogue. Um and we would walk to shul together. And my grandfather always had this way of holding my hand mm-hmm. where he'd like lock his fingers around my hand so that I couldn't run free in mm-hmm. the middle of the street. And I remember every time we walked to and from shul, I would run to be able to be next to my grandfather and for him to hold my hand. Mm. And that's the most, the, those are the most vivid memories I have. Like for one of them, I can remember a blue dress that I was wearing mm-hmm. that I later destroyed climbing a tree. Um, but yeah, no, my memories, you know, we always have good and bad memories. Yeah. And I feel like we pick and choose what memories not necessarily matter, but what memories come up based on what's going on in yes. our lives. Yeah. So, and I feel like for some reason, a lot of people, myself included, tend to go back to negative memories when they're hurting or negative Mm -hmm. things are going on. So what I've been trying to do lately because I've been sad and going through a tough time is thinking of the memories I have that make me happy. Not necessarily the memories just with that person, yeah, but just in general, memories that have made me happy because I've gone through a lot and it is very hard for me to remember times where I was happy, Mm -hmm. you know, between the abuse and the eating disorder and uprooting my entire family's life to come down here, the abuse that I've gotten here, you know, it's just, it's been hard. So it's hard to think of happy times, Yeah, but 
memories with my grandfather and his partner before she passed are always some of the best memories. Yeah. So those are definitely ones that I cherish. So I feel like memories, good and bad, are things that you cherish. Because even the bad ones teach you lessons Yeah, that you don't want to forget. If you forget the memory, you forget the lesson. And that's how you recreate history. I think one somebody had texted me separately from our social media and had said something along the lines of that. I'm trying to remember who it was. But basically they had said... Um, memories are valuable because whether you like it or not, they were always able to teach you something. And maybe it was something you didn't know you needed at the time. Yeah. I like that. So I liked that. I really think um, that's a good one. Somebody else had said, and I'm in agreement with this is memories are everything because when you are gone, that's all you, that's all you have. When people pass, or even when you're gone, um, my kids, David especially, will tell you, I take pictures and videos of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I do that because growing up, there are not a lot of pictures of me. Yeah. When I was a baby, I think maybe there's a handful of pictures. Um, so I never want my kids to be able to look back or go back and be like, I don't even remember when I did that or not have a memory there Yeah, because I feel like those feel good moments are what you're going to look back on when you miss somebody. You know, one of my very fondest memories is with my great grandmother mm-hmm. and I only have one picture with my great grandmother and it was at my cousin's wedding and just the way like she's holding my hand, like, those are the things I look back on. And when I miss her dearly, that the picture is still in my house. Mm-hmm. It was a Christmas gift one year from my grandmother. Um, I go back to that picture and even looking at it, like I can, it's weird. I can smell the picture. Yeah. Like I can smell her perfume. I can remember the way her skin felt. I can feel her touch. I can hear her voice. Like it mm-hmm. just triggers. So I think memories for me again are everything because it brings you to a lesson you needed to learn. Or it brings you to a place sometimes where you feel peace. Yeah. Um, my grandmother, my great grandmother for me is a place that I always cry when I think about it because there's not a lot of pictures. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, us growing up, you didn't have digital cameras. You know, we are, grew up really. when digital cameras were first coming out. Yeah. I remember being in the club at 18 with a, a digital camera. You know, before then it was disposable cameras cameras, and you had to wait a week to get those pictures. And there weren't cell phones that had cameras. You know, that was a really big thing when cell phones came out and you're like, oh my God, I could take pictures of everything. Before then it was like Polaroids. That was the closest thing you had to that instant gratification for capturing a memory. So they will always tell you, Madison, not so much because I think I, she's a ham. Um, But David will be like, really another picture. And I tell him all the time I'm like listen when I'm gone this is all you're gonna have these are the only thing you're gonna have to be able to go back and show your kids or show your grandkids or great-grandkids if you're lucky enough you know hey this is you know when I was this age and this was happening and you know I don't print pictures as much as I used to because I feel like they're all you know social media is huge for putting all your pictures and I have everything backed up to like separate files 
Um, it's very rare that I'll print pictures. Like it'll be special occasions that I'll print. Mm-hmm. But they still know. David had sarcastically said the other day, like, if I went on your Facebook, I'd be there for 20 days just looking at pictures because you take pictures of everything. That's valid. I've gone on your Facebook <laughs> to try and find pictures for your wedding or yeah. for, like, the adventures we used to go on when we were younger. Yeah. And it takes me a really long time. There's pictures of everything. And I just, again, you know, and some people will say, well, you don't live in the moment. You're correct. I feel like there's certain memories where you do just need to live in the moment, but I've always been that person where I want to live in the moment, but I also want to bottle and capture that moment to be able to look back on. There has been times where I have left my phone, you know, because now that's really what everybody uses to take pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, I've left my phone and sometimes I'll be like, that was the best day ever. And then I'll lay in bed and like that guilt sets in like, oh my God, I didn't get pictures of today. There's nothing to look back on. And you hope that, like, especially with the kids, like, they bank that memory. Um, But that's my biggest thing is my life was so undocumented growing up that I want theirs to be documented. Because looking back now, like, with my great-grandmother, there's not a lot of pictures of my Mm great-grandmother. And it hurts me because I want, you know, Madison and David to be able to see her face and explain, you know, like, hey, you get this feature from her or I get this feature from her or you know these are things that I remember that she did and you know it's very hard for them to do and I I laugh because I feel like memories are jogged by different things absolutely so you know you had said you remember you know going to Shoal and with with Zadie and like wearing the blue dress scents are really big for me Mm -hmm. so I always laugh that scene from um the parent trap where she's like, you smell like peppermint and tobacco. For me, my great-grandfather, or my grandfather, not my great-grandfather, I never met him. Um, I laugh because <laughs> it sounds disgusting when you say it, but I say he always reminds me of like sweat mixed with hanging your clothes out in the sun mixed with drywall. And people are like, what the fuck? But it's just like that working man scent. Mm-hmm. And I used to giggle because when Kyle started in construction, some of his shirts would smell like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is coming full circle. Like I always wanted to find a man like my grandfather and I literally like reincarnate found him. Yeah. And it jogs that memory for me and different, it'll jog, not even just memories of with people, with places that you've been to. Mm -hmm. So there was a scent at Bath and Body Works a long time ago called Magnolia Blossom. And every time I smelt it, I thought of my aunt. So I remember buying it and like storing it. And anytime I missed her, like I would wear it and I felt like she was with me. That's how what my mom's done with my grandfather's Gucci cologne. Mm-hmm. My grand, my grandfather's bougie as hell. <laughs> um, the, but the man had taste. Yeah. Um, but I remember, and it's a scent that they don't sell anymore. Mm-hmm. So the, the one bottle we have in the house, we savor it. We savor. Yeah. Um, but I remember right after he died, he died nine years ago. And I remember he died in May and the following November, my mom and I went out for Black Friday. Yeah. And we were driving to Sawgrass Mall mm-hmm. and we pull up to the um, the valet and they put a sign right behind us. We were the last car allowed in valet. And we were like, well, that's kind of weird. Okay. So then we went to Michael Kors, which for those of you that don't know me, Michael Kors is my Mecca. <laughs> um, 
we went to Michael Kors that I was getting, I think I got you and Emily wallets that year. Okay, you got I me got the camo you, wallet. I got you the camo Michael Kors. Um, so, Madison wants it. But we got those, we went in, we got the wallets. They were even more discounted than we thought they were going to be. And there was no one in line. Mm-hmm. On Black Friday at a mall. Yeah. So we're like, okay, that's also really weird. So then we walk out of the outlet area and we're walking towards the actual mall and we smell my grandfather's cologne. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, this guy had um, like a violin mm-hmm. and he started playing my grandfather's favorite song. And my mom and I just looked at each other and we sat on the bench and we cried, like bawling our eyes out yeah. because, you know, this was the first like real thing that we had felt like we had done since he passed. And it was like his, he was there with us Mm -hmm. and there, there have been times where I've been having a really hard time or when I was in England and I was really homesick where someone would walk by or I I wouldn't even notice, but I would smell his cologne and it's such a distinct smell. Yeah. And I'd be like, all right, Zadie, I got you. You're here. I understand it. And, you know, it, I feel like those memories, like you said, that are built up from senses yeah. are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also important, like, when someone passes that you have those memories, yeah. when a relationship ends, yeah. you have those memories. And, you know, now that Canada and I are over, you know, I wish I had taken more pictures. Yeah. Because I have, I think, of us together, I think I have two pictures. Yeah. Because when we were there and we were together, I didn't want to take out my phone and take a bunch of pictures. I just yeah. wanted to be with him. Yeah. But now I'm like, fuck. I don't... You wanted to bottle that. I don't have any more of that. Yeah. All I have are those pictures. Yeah. And so it, it makes it hard because you have to balance between living in the moment and enjoying all of that quality time and capturing the moment mm-hmm. so that you can relive it again. Yeah. And that's that's a hard thing to balance. Yes. Um, and I mean, like, even with Kevin and Robbie, mm-hmm. I have one picture that I can find of Robbie and me from when we were little. Yeah. And I have no other ones. I think his mom has some. She told me when I visited her she had some pictures of us. Yeah. But I feel really bad being like, Hey, can, can I have you, that picture? Can you, can you like scan, can you go through all of your pictures of your son who passed away yeah, yeah. and, you know, just so that you can find ones of me? Yeah. Um, so I feel bad about that. And then with Kevin, I saw him the November before he passed. And so I have silly pictures and nice pictures of us on our last hike that we went on together. But from when we dated, mm-hmm. I don't have any pictures of us anymore. Yeah. Because that's, you know, those were on my MySpace and that's well, long gone. I feel like, too, sometimes with memories, I mean, you and Kevin were not on bad terms, but sometimes you want to erase them. With, yeah, like, no, exes when, especially. When Brian and I ended, I yeah. had a bonfire. Yeah. And I used to do that a lot, though. I used to do a lot of fires. Yeah. But Brian was one of them because I didn't want to really remember that. And, like, social media, you're, like, the entire album, delete. Oh, yeah, no, I went through, 
when Mike and I ended, mm-hmm. I went through the entire, like my entire Facebook, my entire Instagram, deleted all of our pictures. And then when it comes up on my memories, memories. I delete them so that I don't have to ever see them again. Yeah. Because I would personally, except for my relationship with his sister, I would like to forget that I ever dated him. Yeah. And, and memories trigger certain emotions. Absolutely. So I had just said this the other day. There was a memory that popped up when I was with my ex where it was a group of us had went to a carnival mm-hmm. and I had went through the album when we, you know, finally were done completely and deleted just the pictures of him and I or pictures that he was in, mm-hmm. but I kept the album. And I remember somebody had asked me like, why would you keep the album? Because I still want the memories of that night, even though he was included, I have just, my brain has been trained that I blocked out the parts that included him. The parts that included him because it was a fun weekend. It was a fun night. And I feel like we've done that with exes before. I mean, the infamous party that we had. Yeah, I think the only pictures I have of that night. They weren't of me on the toilets throwing up my life. So that's a great start. I would never have done that. Okay. You just brought my, you know. That's completely different. <laughs> um, no, I think I have pictures of you and I in the kitchen with our hypnotic yep. bottle. At the table eating popcorn. I have pictures of you and Angie dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have pictures of us playing beer pong. Yep. Um, and then there's that infamous picture of Whiskey Dick losing his shit. Yeah. Because he lost that beer pong game. Yeah. I still crack the fuck up. Like, I can still hear. It's, again, memories will trigger. I can still vividly hear him, like, yo! And hearing you laugh, and I'm laughing, and Monk is laughing. Like, everybody is just cracking up. Or the other two that were there that you had your situation with, ship with, when... Lightning would bark and they go, Thunder, Thunder, <laughs> stop. Like, I still think about that and chuckle. And I'm like, oh my Aww. God, idiots. But, like, I feel like memories are so important. Yeah. And it's different. I don't know. The generation is different because I feel like they document, like, everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be to that extent. I don't want my kids to know what they ate on December 15th, 2005. They weren't alive, but I, still. Say, uh, uh, I don't want it to go to that extent, mm-hmm. but like I love most of the time going through Facebook memories. And I had just said this to Kyle the other day, like I will religiously log on Snapchat because the memories will pop up and the ones of Madison, every time I watch them when she was little and I hear her little voice, I become a puddle. I'm like, Oh my, take me back. Because her little voice is the cutest thing to hear. Like, there was a Disney memory that popped up the other day, and we were on the Little Mermaid ride, and she's singing Part of Your World. Mm -hmm. And just her little voice, Mommy, 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 you hear that? Mommy, oh. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that's the stuff that I crave because I never had that. All of the choir performances, all of my drama performances from elementary school to high school, like, Unless it was recorded and given to us, yeah. I am nothing. And I don't want that. Every band performance that David has had, boom, I'm recording it. Madison's recital, I don't get to record. We're not allowed to have phones. But we get the video from it every year. Like, those are the things I want them. And I bank it. And I save it. Yeah. Because I want them to be able to be like, oh, this is when I, 
when I was in seventh grade, this is my band performance from the winter, you know, and I want them to look back, you know, I laugh, (laughs) it's horrible to laugh at. I laugh because I tell my grandmother who, those of you that personally know me know my grandparents. Um, My grandmother has got very cantankerous in her old age. That's a good word for it. And David does the best impression of her. Like, he will bring me to tears. And Kyle's like, you're fucked up. And it is fucked up because that's the memory that she left on him. Mm -hmm. But in the same sense, I'm not thinking about how fucked up it is. I'm thinking about those are the times I'm going to look back on and crack up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I'm having a hard day, I'll be like, David, do it. Almost like Shrek, do it, daddy. Yeah. Uh, make him roar. Like it's almost like those moments for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like those are the things that you cling on to. Somebody had said it in the message too. I feel like at the end of it, you're not going to worry about all of the material things that you've had and everything like that. But when it comes to the end of your life, I feel like you're going to play a reel of your memories and that's where you're going to pass. Did you ever watch Scrubs? No. So the last good episode of Scrubs, not when they went into the last season, that's stupid, but the original cast last Mm -hmm. episode, JD is walking out of the hospital on his last day. And he looks back and there's like a white sheet. Mm-hmm. And it's playing not only memories, but it's playing what he wants for the future. Okay. And like coming home to Elliot and like them having children. Yeah. And his children and Turk's children start dating and they get married. Yeah. And like, you know, all these things that he wants and all the memories he has yeah. from the, the people that he cherishes. And... I I love that scene. It always brings me to tears mm-hmm. because I'm just like, that's so beautiful, mm-hmm. you know? And like to have, I think that's something that's so special is not just to have, like to still have the people in your life that you have memories yeah. with. Because like, you know, like you and I, we have memories from all stages of life mm-hmm. pretty much. And it's really fun to know that in, you know, hopefully 10, 15 years when Madison's making crazy decisions for herself yeah. for us to be able to sit down and watch and be like, remember, remember when we remember did that? Remember when we did that? Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I'm so excited for that because it's, you know, it's nice to have those memories, but it's also nice to know that there are still memories to create. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's special when it comes to friendships and relationships and, and it's also kind of bittersweet because we have those people that we, our memories with them are all we have. And I think you tie people to memories and certain points of your life. Absolutely. I have a girlfriend who I was very close with throughout high school that we kind of fell out after we got into college because she took a different path. Um, we stopped being friends. There was never any explanation. Mm-hmm. I had like a heart to heart with her because she had changed a lot. And after I had that heart to heart, even though she was so upset and oh, I would never want to hurt you. You're like my sister. Stop talking to me. Yeah. Um, and I had found her 
on Instagram and just sent her like a memory had popped up. And I was like, hey, these popped up the other day. Like, want you to know I'm always wishing you well. And we've had friends that we've had that with, you know, that we're still like acquaintances. Yeah. Um, But those memories served for a point in our life. And we had talked about this, you know, even with Robbie and Kevin and then Sarah, you know, her mom says all the time, Sarah's mom, I love, it's painful because I know she's not here, but I love when you share memories because it's like, she still is here. Yeah. And I still get that glimpse like into her life. And I feel like, especially in college, I just had this conversation with David the other day. I always said I would go back to high school because not ninth grade year, probably 10th grade year on ninth grade was just a really awkward year for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like 10th grade on was a blast, but my college years, I feel like is when I really had made like core, core memories and were some of the best times of my life between the frat parties, meeting you, meeting Greg, like Seahawks and, you know, Sarah and the different friendships that I built along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell him all the time because David's like, I really think like I want to take a year off. And I'm like, just promise me, like, even if you just go, to the community college and get your basic classes out of the way. Cause that's what I did mm-hmm. do it. I said, because some of the relationships you build in college carry on until your adult life. I said, and it's some of the best memories I have yeah. the weekends that I was flying to FSU. I got into FSU, wasn't ready to leave home, but I would religiously fly to Florida state yeah. and, you know, make made friends with the people up there. And some of those trips, some of them I can't remember. I have pictures. Don't really remember what happened in that picture. That's how my trip to Amsterdam was. Um, yeah. But, like, looking back, like, it gives you that warm feeling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, you can kind of remember when we went to Tallahassee this summer because we picked up David up there. That was, mm-hmm. like, the halfway point. It was insane to me to have the kids there and go to, like, Don Campbell Stadium where we broke into the stadium and took pictures on the field and passed Bullwinkles, which is a bar. Anybody that's listening that's ever been to Tallahassee or went to Florida State knows, like, Bullwinkle. I don't even know how the hell it's still standing, Mm -hmm. but it's there. And, like, that's the place you go because it's literally right across the street from campus. Mm -hmm. Great marketing idea. Like, somebody who did that was super fucking smart. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, looking around and being like, oh, my God. Even, like, we went to Momo's. You know Momo's. It's not, like, greatest pizza, but their pizza slices is literally, like, the fucking size of your head. They're huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And even bringing the kids there, we went to, like, the fountain that we always went to in front of the the School of Music and Arts and, like, took pictures with the kids. And, like, Madison had, like, this epiphany of her future at Florida State which made my heart so fucking happy. I'm sure. Um, David's kind of pushing that way too, which I'm fucking all for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, it was just wild taking Madison to Garden and Gold, which is a store on campus and like buying her a Florida state shirt, like just that feeling. And Kyle's like, I have never seen you so giddy. I'm like, first of all, you didn't know Amber that traveled to Florida state. Yeah. One. Two, it's just that feeling of like, oh my God, I get to, I pray that my kids have the memories that I had when they were here. Because Florida State, even though I was not ready to go there, it really did hold some of the fondest memories 
of things that I did in college yeah. because it was like a whole other world. I mean, I went to BCC mm-hmm. and it wasn't horrible. There was still shit to get into here. But when I went up there and had like the real, real college experience of like being in a dorm room and being with my friends and sneaking in alcohol and having to be with like a resident advisor and stuff like that, like I loved it. I never got to do that. I loved it. I lived off campus when I was at USF. Yeah. But uh, so I, when I was at NYU, where did I live? You were off campus. I was, but who was I living with? Was it Greg? Was Greg up there yet? I don't, I don't remember. But anyways, I was only at NYU for three three weeks um, because I had to take medical leave. They would not let me defer my acceptance so that I could get the help I needed. Yeah. And then they told me once I took medical leave that I should have deferred because now I have to take not only that whole term off, but the next one too. Yeah. So I would have to take a year off of college. So I never went back to NYU. Um, but when I went to USF, the first time I lived with Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that don't know, Jan was like this 70-year-old woman that had a beautiful apartment, two-bedroom apartment, and that she lived in by herself. Her daughter worked with my mom, and they were friends. So I got to live there rent-free for a while. Um, and this woman, best roommate ever like so when I would have guys come over she she knew everything I felt so comfortable talking to her about anything and so I remember this one guy his name was Marcus and he was in a frat I never went to the frat parties I never met any frat brothers didn't want to didn't care just hung out with him yeah he was there for one purpose one purpose only um (laughs) but I remember he walked out of my room and was walking towards the door and Jan was in her world, like swirly chair, and she yeah. slowly swirled around <laughs> and looked at him and goes, "Goodbye, Marcus." Oh my gosh! And he got so uncomfortable, and I don't think I ever saw him. Again. <laughs> <laughs> but but oh my god, I had honestly some of my best memories were in Jan's yeah. apartment because I remember my friend Asa. Uh-huh. Who has path? Who was murdered a few years ago in Tampa? Um, but he used to come over, and we would cook together because the only way I would eat at that time is yeah. if someone was with me. Yeah. So he would like text me all the time, be like, "Hey, I'm coming over and cooking you dinner." And so he came over a lot, and Jan and Asa and I would cook dinner. Yeah. But Jan was always on a diet. Okay. Except for when we were driving down south. So that she could have a hookup with her ex-husband. <laughs> I love it. And we'd be driving. And I remember we were driving. It was her, my friend Casey, I think it was. Oh, and Casey. me. Casey's I love Casey. I love Casey, too. Um, Casey, if you're listening, we love you. And honestly, I'm just so happy. She's one of my out. core memories from picking out my wedding dress. Absolutely. Her yellow dress. That was amazing. Uh, it was amazing. I, I can't wait till her daughter is grown. So I can oh. be like, let me tell you memories about your mom. I love it. Um, but I'm so happy with how her life turned out. Mm-hmm. She has two beautiful children, an incredible husband, a career that she loves. Yeah. Wonderful. But I remember Casey, Jan, and I were driving down south, and Jan saw a sign for Burger King. And she goes, ooh, let's stop and get some cheeseburgers. 
And we both like turned around and looked at her and I was like, what about your diet? She goes, I can't lose weight on, I can't gain weight on vacation. (laughs) Vacation pounds don't count. And I was like, all right, let's do this. (laughs) And then she'd be sitting in the backseat of my PT cruiser. Oh goodness. Good memories of that thing. We'd be listening to Backstreet Boys because that's what I always listen to when I take long drives. Yep. And she was jamming out in the backseat of my cruiser, eating Burger King, (laughs) listening to Backstreet Boys. Oh, my goodness. She was incredible. The only time she got mad at me was when I took her daughter, her grown adult daughter, to get a tattoo. Oh, well. I mean. But you know what? She was going through a tough time. Um, She was on dialysis waiting for a kidney transplant. Yeah. So the tattoo she got said hi, which means life in Hebrew. Yeah. And it was on the side that she got dialysis. So she was able to see life, life. Yeah. while she got dialysis. So it was very special. Um, but even that, like I have so, I mean, I have so many tattoos and I have memories for all of them, yeah. but that's my favorite memory. And it's not even my tattoo. <laughs> she screamed so loud getting that tattoo that people actually came in off of the street and walked in to see if someone was dying. Oh my goodness. And her tattoo was on her wrist. I have one, two, what? three, four, five, and six. And she screamed? I have seven tattoos just on my wrists. I feel like that would be like one of the least painful places to get a tattoo. I fell asleep on some of those. I mean, I have one on my foot and everybody's you're a like. for that. You're it a, didn't bother me. You're a fucking trooper for that. I literally, he like, he's like, okay, I'm going to run like a test line of the outline. It was really weird. Because the outline hurt more than the shading. That is interesting. I like, the shading tickled at that point. My thighs aren't finished because I can't handle the yeah, shading. Yeah, no. I got it on my foot. He's like, I'm going to do a test run. I was like, okay. And I was like, brace. I remember bracing myself. And I had my, throwback, my iPod in my lap with, mm-hmm. like, headphones. And I put one headphone in. And he's like, okay, you have to keep still. And I remember at first, like, I twitched, and he's yeah. like, you can't do that. I was like, okay. He's like, are you good? I was like, just let's go. And he did, like, the first star on my foot. And I was like, he's like, you good? I was like, that was it? He's like, yeah. I was like, let's fucking do it. And I you're put my fucking, headphones in. You're and a fucking trooper. Boom. And that was only my second tattoo I ever got. And we went for the foot. You're Bravo. So, I went with Risa to get her foot tattoo and Rhiannon to get her foot tattoo. Both of them looked like they were in labor. Yeah. I will not do my foot. Um, I, I've done a, most of the other you know places what, honestly, on my body. You know what honestly hurt me the most is the one that's on my collarbone. Really? Like my shoulder, like this here. It didn't, so it didn't hurt pain-wise. It stung. I Like, you know asleep. when you get like a paper cut? Yeah. That's like, that's what it felt like to me. This is how you know the pain tolerance is different for everybody. Everybody. Because my shoulder blades and like up here. Yeah, this one right here. I fell asleep. Yeah, no. And yeah, my worst ones were my thighs. No, it that's was just like that stinging, like, un- like that's what hurt. Like it stung. And yeah. I was like, ooh, okay, okay. And it's not a big tattoo mm-hmm. for anybody that's referencing. It says Ohana. And I got it with my aunt. That was my aunt's very first tattoo. Mm-hmm. So my aunt, my ex-sister and my biological ex-sister at that i'm gonna we'll talk about that later uh and my aunt we all got the same tattoo and that's how we commemorated her first trip to florida that's nice 
So, but that one was like, I had gotten my foot done and no problem. And that one, I was like, ooh, interesting. <laughs> and it was that sting, like you're like, <laughs> like that sting. That's and interesting. I was like, mm, okay, maybe we won't get another I, one there. I remember the first time I got my rib tattooed. I had just gotten my. That's pel- something I would never fucking do. I had just gotten my pelvis tattooed. Mm-hmm. I just got my penguin done, my first penguin. And then she was like, "All right, are you ready?" And I started crying. She's like, I have not started yet. Oh, my yet. gosh. Why are you crying? It hurts. And I'm like, because it's going to hurt. Yeah. She goes, you don't know. I have not started yet. Yeah. And I remember her starting, and I was like, oh, okay. And now I have one, two, three, three rib tattoos, and one of those rib tattoos is a cover-up. Uh, yeah. I remember so you doing that. So that's like – Scar, scar tissue yeah. being tattooed and it still wasn't that bad. My ribs were fine. Um, honestly, my most painful ones were my thighs. Yeah. My thighs, they were awful. I still have two hours left on both of them. So four oh, hours shit. left. And I don't know how I made it through it, but whatever. We'll play it as They it have goes. numbing cream now. I know, but who needs numbing cream? I mean, you might it. need it to get through it. Maybe. We'll see. That'll be a memory um, in itself. Yeah. Um, but then, this is a great memory. My... I think it's my second tattoo is my tattoo that goes from my pelvis over my waist, yep. over my hip onto my ass. And it's my first Shakespeare quote. I currently have five Shakespeare mm-hmm. quotes tattooed on my body, but this one was the course of true love never did run smooth. Yep. It's from a midsummer night's dream. Um, if anybody wants to hear an episode on Shakespeare, just let me know. Um, but I was laying on um john's brother's girlfriend's kitchen counter yeah okay and at this point i was sick so i had no fat on me no nothing i was just all bone and i laid on the counter and she started tattooing me and it was so fucking painful and i was like we're not doing shading and she was like take a break You'll come back and we'll do the shading. I'm like, I'm not fucking doing the shading. So I went outside, smoked a cigarette. Oh. Because that was around the time that I was smoking cigarettes. And I was dating John. Yeah. You know. Um, And I came back inside and she was like, just let me shade the, like, the first letter. Yeah. And I was like, fine. Just the one letter. So I lie back down. She starts... And then John and his brother hold me down. And let her finish. And let her finish the entire thing. So the whole tattoo is shaded. I got very angry at all of them. And as I said in a previous uh, episode, I do not get angry. So the fact that I was angry tells you how pissed off I was. Yeah. Um, That was a funny memory. That was, I think, my second tattoo. You know what memory popped up the other day? Hmm. The trip we took to Disney with New York. Halloween. And the one that still cracks me the fuck up is when we were trying to paint the cat face on you. I could not let him do that. And you were crying. (laughs) It was just so uncomfortable having my boyfriend do my makeup. Crying. There's a picture of you like this. And you are literally, there's tears in your eyes and you're crying hysterically. I was laughing so hard. That was so funny. You had to end up doing it. Yes. And you and Kyle got 
We yeah, we got into a really bad fight that night. Yeah, that was, that was like that a was really, a really, really rough. Yeah, fight. it did not like it was not magical. That place was not magical at that point. No, that was we had re- just really gotten into a like a drug out fight. Yeah, it was, was bad. That was that was that was bad. But yeah. otherwise, it was a fun trip. We went to Ripley's. We did. Yeah, there's pictures of me with the lizard man with the split. Oh my god, your face when they played that video, you're like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. That one, um, one of the pictures that I absolutely love of us was when we took Jonathan to, to the, the zoo. zoo. And there's a picture of us up close on the bridge. It's probably one of my favorite pictures of us. There are very few things I miss about that relationship. Yeah, but he's I miss, one of them. I miss Jonathan. But then I just enjoyed carrying a baby around. I he's know. like, let me take him. I'm like, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that one picture that I have of him and Jonathan and me and the mm-hmm. little, like, acorn thing i love that picture there are very few pictures that i keep from that relationship that's one of them the other picture i just looked at it uh was when we went to naples with angie and we were in the water and i kicked that little girl off her boogie board trying to pose and you're Mm. cracking up hysterically yeah that was like one of the core like i think that was like the week after ali passed it might have and I been. was like deep in the depression of that, but I just remember that day like being everything a beach day needed to be. Yeah, we started at IHOP. Uh huh. Because the night before, I got my second belly button ring. Yes, and there's a picture of you smitten. Oh my god! On the phone, and I got chocolate chip pancakes. Yeah. In honor of Ali. God, that was not a- Ali. Not to be confused, but that we will get into that on one of our later episodes. Yeah. You will learn about him. Uh, that yeah. was a great day. We went and saw him. Yep. Before. Yeah. And the next morning, we got up at like 5 o'clock in the morning. Yep. Drove to the West Coast. Yep. We went to a park that I have been going to since I was little in Naples. Mm-hmm. And it was like the quintessential, like, beach day. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. We had lunch on the beach. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we all came back. You were already, like, black at that point. Yeah, I look at those pictures You were so... I was I'm like, how the fuck? Damn, I was so tan. And I remember, like, taking those pictures and cracking up. And I think in the picture, like, I look at it and I can hear me saying, I just kicked that little girl off her boogie (laughs) board. And you're laughing hysterically. Um, And then the one that makes me nauseous every time I look at it is the one of us holding the hypnotic bottle because... Too much hypnotic in those days. That was a rough Why that was our drink of choice. Well... When you look back on drinking, you fondly remember my 21st birthday. I do not. So when I look back on drinking, I have very few drinking memories that I cherish. (laughs) (laughs) I have my main core drinking memories are number one is my Parrot Bay Night. And Emily, if you are listening, shut up. I tried to go shot for shot with one of John's friends. Yeah, that was a big mistake. With rum, which I was more allergic to than other alcohols. I went shot for shot. We tied. And then after about 20 minutes, I ended up with my head in the toilet, puking the rest of the night with Emily next to me, wondering why the other John wasn't coming back to me. (laughs) Um... And then get the John, whose house it was, um, picked me up and put me in the car with my brother and Emily and him. 
And the whole drive home, I was writing my will. I gave my laptop <laughs> away. I gave, like, all of my worldly possessions, which was not much because I think I was, like, 17. Um, I gave it all away, mostly to my brother. But then, you know, when you get that drunk, you have, like, that one sober moment. moment. Yep. My sober moment came at the best time. I went into the house. I, they, I, they carried me into the house. They put me down right at right before you get to the corner where my parents' door yeah. is. I walked over to the door, said goodnight to my mom. She asked how my night was. I said, it was good. I'm going to bed. Closed the door behind me and stumbled into my room and fell. Perfect timing. And then I woke up the next morning mortified because we were all supposed to go to the beach. And I was like, I cannot see John. I cannot see him. I was mortified by how drunk I got and like puking everywhere. And it was awful. So that's like my core drink mm. memory. My Sounds about a big memory that I have mm, with you. Yeah. You played it out for me. Yes. Um, my other one is a great memory. It was with Casey. Okay. We were in France. Um, so to preface how we met the guys that we hung out with that night. Casey made out with a stranger <laughs> riding a bike up the street in Moulmain in France. That's where the Moulin Rouge is, in case anyone didn't know. But we were walking to get to where our pub crawl started. Mm-hmm. And she stopped this cute guy on a bike, made out with him, <laughs> then said, Hi, I'm Casey. And he said his name was Francois. So when we got to, and then she told him where the pub crawl was and okay. invited him to join us. But the pub crawl was still not for a few hours. Oh. So we sat at the Starbucks right across from the Moulin Rouge, and we just watched what was going on around us. People watched. And we noticed that there was a woman that kept walking up to the corner, approaching men, disappearing with the men, and then coming back a few minutes later to get more men. I'm like, cool. She's bringing men to have sex with women in a whorehouse. Awesome. So then we go to the pub crawl. And Casey's asking everyone if they've seen Francois. <laughs> we were in France. I'm surprised Everybody's not Francois. everybody would think Francois. Francois. <laughs> but while we were looking for Francois, we found these guys from California oh. that were studying in Italy, but took the weekend in France. Okay. Naturally, we're the Americans that had to find Americans yeah. in France. But so we got very drunk in the first bar, in the first pub. And then Casey and this guy, David, decided they were going to get married. They decided they were in love. So, and like we all paired off. So Casey and David, me and this guy, Omar, and Mary with this other guy. I don't remember his name. So we're roaming around. We go to the next bar. We get drunker. And then I started making out with Omar. And there's pictures of that, actually. Which <laughs> I didn't know until the next day that Casey was photographing this. Of but course, Casey. I, I, I was her. I was in the moment. Dude was a great kisser. Um, but after the second pub, I think it was, we decided that they were ready to get married. Oh. So we left the pub crawl to go find a church so that they could get married. Oh, my gosh. We couldn't find one open. I bet not. So we went back to the pub crawl. Casey literally got on the ground and crawled to the next pub because it was a pub crawl. So we get to the next pub and it turns into, instead of getting married that night, it was now their bachelor and bachelorette parties. <laughs> so we got drunker. This is great. 
then we finally get to the last pub, which is right next door to the Moulinage. Okay. And it was amazing. So Mary's with her dude. What a, I think his name was like Dustin or something. He's over there. Omar and I are up against this like pillar mm-hmm. right next to the bar, just making out. And then the bartender sprayed us with water because <laughs> he's like, it's getting too hot. You guys okay. need to cool down. Okay. It was hilarious. Casey. No, no. She's not with David. Oh, God. She found for its walk? It's her bachelorette party. <laughs> <laughs> she made out with, like, six other guys. Oh, my gosh. Then Omar and I leave. And we go to, like, these steps that were, like, led down to a cemetery. Mm-hmm. And Casey and David went to the bottom of the steps. Oh, okay. And since they went, like, an L shape, so we didn't see them, they didn't see us. So we were just, you know, doing our thing. Then I hear Casey go, Alicia. And I'm like, what? Because I'm in the middle of something. I don't want to talk to you. And she's like, Alicia, I need to talk to you. I'm like, not right now. You don't. And she's like, no, really, I need to talk to you. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. So I go and I go down the steps and David came up the steps to be with Omar. And I'm down there. I'm like, what? And she goes, I miss Daniel. Daniel was the guy she fell in love with while we were at Cambridge oh my a goodness. week and a half earlier. So, yeah. So she's like, I miss Daniel. And I'm like, okay, so don't hook up with David. And she's like, no, but Daniel and I didn't work out. I'm like, that doesn't mean you hook up with David. <laughs> and like, we're, by this point, the guys are like, we have to go back to our um, – they're were they in hostel hostel yeah so they had to go back to their hostel because it was going to close so they're like we have to go and i'm like fucking shit man so she didn't get married no she did not but then so we're two drunk american girls that don't speak french oh gosh the rest of our group left so mary and the other guy we were with ryan they went back to the apartment we rented for the week so casey and i are now in front of the moulin rouge at two o'clock in the morning (laughs) The trains are not running. The buses are not running. We don't speak French. And I'm out of money. Oh, my gosh. So I I had to call my mother in the States and explain to her that we ran out of money. Not only that we ran out of money. We ran out of money. We don't know how to get home. We're being followed by two French guys that are hollering at us something in French. So I needed her to put money in my account so we could take a taxi. She did. Not happy, but she did. So we get in this taxi. Thankfully, the guy speaks English. And he's like, okay, where's your apartment? And we're both like, I don't know. We don't know. (laughs) And I was like, but if you can get us to this train station, I can get us back from there. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. So I gave him the name of the train station. I think it was like Louis Seville or something. And we're driving there and we're going under this bridge. I'm like, I know this bridge, make a U-turn. <laughs> and I got us back to the apartment drunk, but still knew my way to get back to the apartment oh from gosh. that bridge because of the, like the leaves, the leaves yeah. on the bridge and how it was. I recognized the bridge okay. and was able to get us back. And then a lot of other shit happened while we were in France, but we, I mean, most of our nights, that was like our one, like, out drunken night. Yeah. The rest of the nights, 
were weird because we still got drunk. Um, but we were we stayed in our apartment and we got Nutella, baguettes, and like three bottles of wine. I think some whiskey. Oh my gosh. And I don't even know what else. There's pictures of it actually. <laughs> and we got drunk in the room and there's pictures of Casey and I singing and dancing into baguettes. <laughs> And, like, I think there's a few pictures of Casey on top of me. That wasn't rare. There were also pictures of us almost kissing in Amsterdam. <laughs> don't remember that. Don't really remember Amsterdam. It was way too high. But, um, yeah, France, that was my first trip to France. Huh. And, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we were sober most of the time while we were in France. Because Casey and I cried when we saw the Mona Lisa. Yeah. It's very underwhelming. Okay. But we cried just being, like, there yeah, in front of it. the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those are, like, my main drunk memories. Like, I mean, where, where I was really drunk. Uh, I have plenty of memories with you being really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is so funny. This popped up on my memories today, and I'm sure if she's listening, Tori will tell you we had a a lot of this. Let me go back and find it. Um, come on. Let me find it. Because she commented on it, and it was very true. So I will tell you some of my core memories from drinking. Um, you will probably crack up when you see it, too, because I'm, I'm sure... This will attest to the drunken nights that we have had. Where'd it go? I just saw it this morning. I'm scrolling for those of you that are like, why is there a long pause? Okay. Your best friend will always help you right after they stop laughing their ass off. And it's a picture of a girl falling through a window. <laughs> <laughs> so That's how you looked when you were hanging so, out of my car. Yeah. So, Tori and I are, one of my fondest memories would be the summer of 09, 08, 08, summer of 08, summer of 09, I was with Kyle. That was a blackout summer. So, it was the summer after I, things with David and I ended. Mm -hmm. It was right before I got with Kyle. Like, we were talking that summer. Um, And... I don't remember a lot of the summer, but when I look back on pictures, I think Tori and I lived at the beach. There were many a days that we would get drunk because there was a little convenience store in Hollywood where the guy was convinced that I was 21 and I was not 21. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even have to show my ID. I would just walk in and put beer on the counter. He's like, yeah, have a great day. Nice. So we got drunk a lot and her mom worked like odd hours and was never home during the day. So we would just get shit-faced, and we would take the city bus Oof. to the beach, get off at the beach, be there all day, come home. It was probably the best shape I was in, too, because if we weren't taking the city bus, we were walking everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't give a fuck. Uh, but, yeah, that summer itself, I had a really great tan. I was in really good shape. And some of the shit that we did... Like, you're talking, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, riding bicycles. Um, One of the memories I have with her, 
we were still, David was still a part of the equation. Like we still hung out occasionally. We just were together. Together. Um, I remember riding, having a beach cruiser and Tori would be on the front and I would tow her and we would just ride everywhere. And I remember one night it had to be like three o'clock in the morning and we decided let's ding dong ditch. So mind you, Tori does not have a bike and has to wait to get on the bike that we are driving around. Um, so <laughs> one of those nights we wind up in a bush because we had, we couldn't get on the fucking bike and wind up leaving the bike somewhere. Uh, we rem- I remember us fondly peeing in somebody's front yard because we just couldn't hold it. And then one of the nights that we did that over that summer, there was a kid that we hung out with named Cody who decided to ding dong ditch, but he decided he was going to kick and his foot went through somebody's door <laughs> and we booked it. Of course. And then there was one where we were riding bikes and we were in the parking lot of the YMCA. It was broad daylight and Cody was in front of us and turned around and hit us. And she was on the front of the bike and like, boom, Shit. huge knot on her head. It was crazy, but we laugh all the time. Cause now every time that's a memory, every time I see a beach cruiser, I'm like, Oh, I remember those. Yeah. Or like the little convenience stores or it was a block. That was a blockout summer. One of the funnest summers I had. And after what I went through with my ex, mm-hmm. it was what I needed like for my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really where Kyle and I started like talking. And then another core memory I have the, the party that we had. Yep. From what I remember. Yeah. That was a fucked up party. It ended in fucked up. so many ways. Yeah, it ended fucked up. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that was one of the parties Alan and I threw. Shit face drunk. Yeah. My monk that I was speaking to at the time, uh, I think I got drunk. We started drinking it, like, early. Yeah, we were drinking all day. Yeah. And hypnotic is a very sore subject because I still, I can feel my stomach turning even saying the name. Um, mm-hmm. We thought we were fucking cool. That was our drink of choice. And I remember like telling Allie, we did not take the heat of warning of liquor before beer and don't mix. We just decided we were going to drink everything. And I was deathly ill. You were, yeah. And puking. Like I would get up to shower and I would puke. I would like bend down. I would puke. Like it just wouldn't. And we knew that this group that we were friends with was coming. One in particular, Whiskey Dick, who his name will not be revealed, but that's who we will refer to him as. And then the monk. Um, And I remember telling her I was, I don't even know what we were, our situationship. We talked about this in the previous episode. Uh, I remember looking at you and saying, please don't let him come in here (laughs) because I'm literally throwing up everything but my intestines at this point. I'm like, please don't let him come in here and see me like this. So I went to the door to welcome him to my home and then said, oh, Amber's in the bathroom. And I walked him over to the door and said, look, he's here. Surprise. (laughs) Now I'm literally mid puke. And I'm like, Allie, what the? (laughs) Now, this was where I think we will talk about like relationship versus situationship. That'll be an episode. But this is how I knew that he cared because he literally sat there Mm -hmm. and like held my hair. I remember him him and I having, like, an in-depth conversation, even though, like, I'm heaving everything up. He helped me get in the shower. And he's like, I'll be here when you come out. Just let me, like, say my name. So fucking weird. 
uh, and I'll come and help you. Yeah. So I remember showering and like puking a bunch more and then going out on the night was fine. It ended fucked up though. Yeah. She really disappointed me that night. Yeah. And then my 21st birthday. Great night. We started at a club that was like boring as shit. Nobody was was there. Michelle was with us. Michelle and the other one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was so excited. There's a picture of me double fisting in Long Island, and that should have probably been my first inclination. There was a great picture of me that night. Yes. My eyes look like crystals. We have really, really good pictures that night. Yeah. Um, And Allie was talking to Whiskey Dick at the time, and he was supposed to come. He was supposed to be there. And he's like, no, 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 that's boring. Come to a house party. We were not invited to this house party. We just showed the fuck up. We were welcomed with open bottles. Full beer bottles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we showed up at this house party. Now, we are fully decked to go to a club. We are... You were with Greg's ex? Yes, that's what I was saying. The other one. Oh. Um, Because it was only four of us. Yeah. And Odie. That, that's who I thought you were talking about. No, no, about no. The other one. Yeah. Um, so we were fully decked to the nine. I was wearing, I think it was like a, a zebra print. Yeah, it was black and white. Yeah. I mean, like leggings, mm-hmm. makeup done, whatever. And I remember leaving and telling you my only goal is to get him to give me a lap dance. Yep. So we get to the party. Mind you, this is on. It was on my actual 21st birthday. Mm-hmm. Because I remember them being like, oh, you're actually 21 today. No black X's on your hands when we went to the club. Yeah. We pulled up. Whiskey Dick comes out. And it was like that notebook moment. Do you remember him coming out and like picking me up and spinning me around? And we had a freaking frack that were like calling his name. Come here. Yeah. And he's like, happy birthday, babe. And like hugging, kissing me. And I was gleaming. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. Um. We went out back. There was a huge fucking slippage slide out back. Yeah, it was like that, uh, like water slide. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember water slide. The, Greg's ex stripping down. That's when we met uh, Chase. Yeah, he gave her his clothes. Yep, that were mind you, like five sizes too big because he's like he's twenty six, feet tall. He's six eight. Uh, I remember Ben Como being like, "Oh, it's your birthday," and handing me a bottle of captain and there is a picture of me Mm -hmm. and he's like take a shot and i downed the whole bottle he's like i said a shot not the whole fucking bottle Mm -hmm. um you were like booed up somewhat with whiskey dick and then i remember saying i don't feel good i tried to drive you home i don't feel good so we drove home I, it's a mess. You can fill in the fucking blanks because that's where it gets hazy for me. Greg's ex was somewhere. I don't remember where she went. Did, she, didn't she have to go home? Yeah, we dropped her off somewhere. My, I think it was my grandparents. I was living with my grandparents. You were living with your grandparents, but no, we dropped her off before that. Because I remember the whole time we were driving to drop her off wherever we did, you were like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going <laughs> to make it. And then we, you made it to your grandparents' house. But Dude, as soon so as I pulled up, you opened the door, fell out, and started puking. Yeah, I was so sick. And I proceeded, if I'm not mistaken, I remember, like, continuing to puke back to the party. Because we went back to the party after we dropped Dell off. Yeah. Yeah, we did. 
We did after you because then puke. I went into the bathroom at the party yep, and was right. proceeding to puke. Yep. And you're like, "Are you good? Do you want to go home?" I'm like, "No, I got this shit." <laughs> and then we open the door and Monk is standing there. Yep. I remember I think looking in like the pantry for like mouthwash and shit. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we opened the door, I fondly remember you being like, "You got this." <laughs> and the smile on my face, and he did. He gave me a lap dance, Channing Tatum style, in the bathroom. Until somebody beat on the door. So my fond memory of that is we then proceeded to leave the party. And mind you, this was like the guy I was chasing for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we broke into somebody's RV. Yep. I thought that was RV night. That was the night that Michelle got me the tongue ring that lit up that said girl gone wild. I remember that. It lit up and vibrated. So I think his line to me was let me see what you can do with that. And I was like, okay, (laughs) let me see if this RV is open. No fucks given. And I remember leaving the RV and freaking frack being like, where were you? Like walking down the street. But that was one of my good, like, I think that was one of those, like, got him. And then we woke up the next day. I was still drunk. Allie was in bed with me at my grandparents' house. We spent the night. And we woke up the next day and you're like, let's go to the Keys. <laughs> and we got lost because we decided we were going to take the turnpike. And we had to call yeah, Ben Como. Right. We called Ben and be Como. Like, and how like, do we get there? Yeah, we were like, how do we get to the Keys? And he's like, where are you? And I told him the exit. He's like, what? And I was like, we're on the turnpike. He goes, you don't take the turnpike. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I had to find my way back. This and the is... first thing you handed me that morning was a beer. You're like, here you go. It's going to solve all your problems. Honestly, like, I think now, like, looking back on those memories, because, like, I don't really drink. Anymore. Yeah. I've been drunk once in the last decade. Yeah. And that was for John's birthday last year. Yeah. And that was only because I was pissed at Mike. Yeah. Um, That's another great memory. We'll get there in a second. But, um... I think back to how much I drank back then. Yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck? That's what I'm saying. When I I turned 21, I feel like there were not a lot of sober moments. But yeah, but also I wasn't eating. Yeah. And I was consuming way too much alcohol. Yeah. Like, I was lucky never to get alcohol poisoning. I'm pretty sure I did. I did not. I just got really fucked up. And I don't think I ever blacked out. I think I always got right to I don't think I blacked out, but it's hazy to remember. that I... That I definitely have, but I don't think I ever blacked out. No. But another really dr- great drunk memory was John's birthday last year, last May. We went to the strip club, which I have not always been the biggest fan of strip clubs because the first time I went to the strip club when John and I were dating, we went to, I think it was Tootsie's maybe. I don't know. But this guy, when we walked in, was literally fingering one of the strippers while she was on stage. Okay. I was like, this is disgusting. Yeah. Like, whatever you do in the comfort of your bedroom, car, living room, whatever, that's awesome. Good for you. But with a stripper on the stage while she's supposed to be dancing. She smelt her. You're right. I should have. Um... I was just really uncomfortable. Yeah. And John's like, too. here's a wine, go slap her ass. I'm like, no. It was really uncomfortable. So last year though, John and his friends and we all went to the strip club. We sat right up front 
Mm-hmm. And I remember this one girl was dancing in front of us, and she picked up one of the ones, and she put it in my bra. Okay. I was like, cool. I just got tipped by a stripper. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, you have great cleavage. Thanks. I'm like, thank you. I was like, in my head, I'm like, that actually means a lot coming from a stripper. <laughs> but, like, I just, I, everything was free that night. Yeah. Like, John and his friends all put out the money for yeah. drinks, all put out the money to tip the girls. Everything was free. So, I was like, this is great. So, that time, I was drunk enough that I was, like, slapping their asses yeah. and putting money where it belongs in a strip club. <laughs> and, but then, John goes to get his private birthday lap dance. Oh. In the champagne room? And they come out, and the stripper walks over to me and hugs me. And I'm like, what the hell happened in there? (laughs) They had a therapy session? She had an eating disorder recovery tattoo. Oh. And he saw it, and apparently while he got his lap dance, he proceeded to tell her about my book. Oh. And I was like, I'm both flattered and uncomfortable <laughs> that you were talking to me while getting a private lap dance at a strip club. But whatever. Oh, so she hugged me and she was like, I'm going to read your book. Okay. And she like repeated the name to me and made sure she had it right. And then hugged me again and walked away. I'm like, this has got to be the strangest <laughs> strip club experience <laughs> ever. And then... We were all standing outside trying to figure out who was going to drive. Yeah. Because granted, we were at the one that's like right off 441. Yeah. Um, right before 595. Yes. So we were there. I don't remember what it's called. I don't know if it was like Cheetahs or I No, know it's it not Cheetahs. I can't think of the I name, but of I know what name. you're talking about. But yeah, so we were Vixens? there. Vixens? Yes. Vixens. Um, so we were there. It's sad that I know that. And John doesn't live far from there. Yeah. So, and I was too drunk to drive. So his friend Manny drove us all back to John's house where all the other cars were. And I stayed there. And that's the first time I've been drunk in so long. Yeah. So I've forgotten what a hangover feels like. Woo! Those are not no fun. fun. It's no fun. It's not. It's not. It. No. But I didn't puke. So that's cool. Nicole will tell you. She loves when I drink. David also loves when I drink, which is very strange. When we get into family trauma, we will talk about, obviously, alcoholism. Um, He literally will, like, pour alcohol down my throat because he swears I'm the best person when I'm drunk. I'm like, what does that say for when I'm sober? He's like, I love you when you're sober, but you're just so funny when you're drunk. You are very funny. Um, Nicole will tell you, too. And I tell Danielle this for when we go on trips. I'm like, when I start chugging beer, you know I'm done. Like, say, okay, Amber, it's time. Mm-hmm. Because when I start chugging beer, like, that's Nicole's signal to be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, And she laughs because she knows when I'm drunk because I will randomly walk around and go, hello? <laughs> hello? <laughs> Not on the phone. Not nothing. That or I have this thing where I go in Asian. What, you nine? From uh, the stand-up comedian, Angela Johnson, when she talks yeah. about the nail salon. Yeah, I've seen that one. you nine, because she mm-hmm. heard the joke. Yeah. So I will randomly walk around to people and go, what, you nine? <laughs> Nicole's like, okay, we're done. <laughs> um, there's actually a video on her Instagram of me drunk the first night she took me to the bar that she goes to. And I'm dancing to Take On Me. Okay. And I think it ends with me, like, slapping my ass. <laughs> Gone. Wasted. Um, but she's like, you crack me the fuck up when you are drunk. Yeah. And those are the memories like we walk away with. So she, I might not remember them. Yeah. 
But when I look back on them, like, it's not a shameful thing for me. It kind of makes me laugh. Nikki and Ashley, two of my friends that live up there, when Madison is obsessed with checkers. Okay. Obsessed. So every Tuesday when we drive home from dance, there's a checkers on the way home, and it's that checkers. Mm -hmm. We went out one night for a bad mom. We called it a bad mom's night out. Okay. And it was actually how we got our nicknames for each other. And I will never forget, Ashley was driving. We were all intoxicated. We just flipped a coin, and whoever was the least intoxicated and could function the best drove home. So whoever could tell what the coin actually landed on. Pretty much. Is the one that Ashley picked. was the one that picked. Makes she sense. was driving Nikki's car. Okay. And I will never forget, we're like, we're fu- I'm fucking hungry. We pulled into the checkers, mm-hmm. and I swear to God, I saw my life flash before my eyes. And now every time I see those red pools, I, like, have PTSD. And I have to go there every Tuesday because that's what Madison wants to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the night. I remember Nikki drunkenly screaming out the window, I'm the Queen of Wellington! <laughs> so she's called Queenie or the Queen of Wellington. Ashley, we called Unicorn Princess. And then in her back seat, my nieces had been to a fire station. And there was a plastic little, like, the cheap plastic toy mm-hmm. fire hat. And I started seeing Little Wayne's Fireman. Okay. So now they call me Fire Marshal. Very nice. But every time we text and like we giggle, because I'll be like, love you, Queenie. And she'd be like, <laughs> or they'll say like, love you, Marshall. And every time I go to that checkers, I'll text them and be like, I didn't die this time. Ashley swears she didn't die. Nikki doesn't remember. I fondly remember looking like back and just seeing the fucking red poles thinking, oh, fuck. This is it. This is how I die. I was also very intoxicated. Yeah, I have, like, I feel like fast food places are, like, the place to go when you're drunk. Because when I look back on a lot of the times I was drunk in high school. Taco Bell. That's what I was going to say. Taco Bell. I have peed outside the Taco Bell on Sterling. Yeah. So many times. Tori and I, when we were drunk, it was Taco Bell or uh, IHOP. It's always Taco Bell or McDonald's. Like after me. the club, we'd be like, hey, let's yeah. go to IHOP because they're open 24 it's hours. Taco Bell or McDonald's for me. Nicole and I, it varies, but usually is wind up, it winds up being fucking Taco Bell. Uh, and then I don't, I can't say after our drunken nights, we really had like, hey, let's go get food. Well, that's because at that time, there was no chance that I was ever going to say, let's go get food. But I also think we just were too shit faced. Oh, yeah. You were fucked up. At that point. Yeah. But, so, that's a big thing. Memories, now that we're like an hour and 15 minutes into this. Uh, <laughs> sense. By. Pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they hold such a special place. And then you have the not-so-good memories that you kind of don't want to remember when you blackout. Somebody had said to me in a private message, um... That your brain trains itself with memories. Yeah. And bad experiences or bad memories are linked to trauma. Mm -hmm. So you go into fight or flight mode with your thoughts. Yeah. Because I can recall to this day things that had happened with, you know, domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Where I was, sometimes even what I was wearing. Mm -hmm. But then when I look back at the timing of it or like dates. I couldn't tell you because it all blurred together. Yeah. And or and or I just wanted to block them out, but it's weird because we will have an episode on grief and loss. Mm-hmm. Um 
I feel like there are some times when not, I wouldn't say that I forget because I don't ever forget when somebody that I loved passed away, but sometimes like it's not the first thought on my mind. Yeah. And I feel like my body reacts. Mm -hmm. So um, my great grandmother was one, there was one year where I didn't forget the day that she passed away because it was the same day as Princess Diana, just a year after. Mm -hmm. Um, But I woke up and just felt off. Yeah. I felt off. I felt like sick to my stomach. I was just like having a really bad, like depressive, depressed episode. And it wasn't until later on in the day when I sat down and looked at the calendar that I was like, oh, that's why I feel like this. I have that from about Mm. March 29th Mm -hmm. to April 19th. Okay. I'm just off. Yeah. Because, you know, Robbie died the end of March and Kevin died April 18th. Yeah. And so from the time Robbie died to the time Kevin died, died. they died 18, 19 days apart. Yeah. I'm, I'm off. Yeah. Like I'll be crying for random reasons. And And it's weird how your body just like, it's a, it's a memory for your body. Yeah. Of what you went through at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Because I told Kyle, he's like, I just don't understand. And I told him, I I get that you don't understand. I said, but these are, it's just my body has trained itself. Mm -hmm. And my body has a memory of the emotions I felt on that day. There's still to this day, like the memory of walking into Memorial Hospital. Um, That's where my great grandmother passed and where she was when she was sick. Mm -hmm. So I still to this day, it's really weird that I love sunflowers because the last balloon that we bought my great-grandmother before she passed was a huge sunflower that said get well soon and the day she passed away I fondly remember getting in the car and the balloon being in the back seat and the first thing I said is what happened to her or no why is why is her balloon here yeah and it's weird because I hung that balloon in my room for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it triggers that memory. And every year, same time, I may not know. Like, I don't wake up and, oh, my God, today's the day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? There's some years that I've done it. Um, it's not every year. And the years that I don't, like, remember, that memory is, is like, engraved into my body as a memory response. Yeah, the first couple years after... Robbie and Kevin passed, I didn't really understand why I was so off Mm -hmm. those few weeks until after the anniversaries. Then I'd be like, wow, I've been off for like three weeks. Yeah. Now I'll notice that I'm starting to feel different. Yeah. And then I'll look at the calendar and acknowledge that, okay, Robbie's anniversary is in like a day. Yeah. Or, like, Heaven's is next week. Or, you know, like, I try and do something every day or every year for them. You know, one year I got my tattoos. Yeah. Another year I got my locket that I have of them. That on one side says I-P-L-Y-R-B. Because Robbie and I, from the first few months that we met up until the last conversation we had, our thing was I puppy love you. Yeah. 
because that was, you know, Robbie and I dated off and on like 12 times. Um, But we knew that it wasn't love. Yeah. But it was puppy love because we were so young. And Robbie was wonderful. And so it was always my puppy love you. And he called me Supergirl Mm -hmm. or Baby G. And I have poems in my bedroom, actually, in a frame that he wrote me Yeah, when we were in middle school, where in a few of them, he calls me Baby G. Mm-hmm. He was Baby B or RB. Um, so I have that on one side. And then it's uh, on the other side, it says, like, always and forever Rudolph. Yeah. Because Kevin was Rudolph. Yeah. Because there was, there was one day he got a huge zit on his nose and he popped it. And his nose for like a week was red. <laughs> so I called him Rudolph for the rest of his life. He was always Rudolph. So I did my locket one year. Now other years I'll go down to the beach and I'll sit yeah. and I'll, I'll talk to them. But with Kevin, I talk to Kevin at least two or three times a week. Yeah. Um. Because... Up until a few weeks before Kevin died, he was, like, my, like, conscience almost. Mm -hmm. He was, like, he told me the things I didn't really want to hear, but that I needed to hear. And he had a way of just explaining it that got through to me. Mm -hmm. And so, like, and in the last few weeks, I've talked to him almost every day. Yeah. Because with what's going on, I, I wish that I could talk to him about yeah. what's going on and get his perspective. Because most of the guys in my life are like, oh, he was playing you, he was lying to you, he's a piece of shit, he's just another horrible mistake. But they don't know anything. They don't know him, they don't know the situation, they don't know what happened, they don't. They know nothing, they're just yeah. guys. Kevin, I would trust his opinion of the yeah. situation. And so I've been talking to him a lot. Robbie, I talk to a, a, a one or two times a week. Robbie is very hard for me to talk to, though, because, and we'll talk more about this, in loss and grief, I feel like a part of me is still angry at him. Yeah. And I've tried to write him letters over the years. I have many letters written to him. But I feel like they are all still kind of angry. Yeah. And it's not, you know, I love Robbie. I miss him every day. I, you know, I... I still cry. I still, you know, I reach out to his brother to see how they're doing. And I went to see his mom my last time in Baltimore, which made me a little sad because I found out that I was the first person to come visit her and he's been dead five years. Oh gosh. Um, and so, but with Robbie, I just, I can understand why Kevin took his life. Yeah. To an extent, because I know what he went through in life. I know, you know, with the bouts with cancer and yeah. everything he went through. So, I, in a way, I get it. He lived his life in pain. Yeah. But Robbie could have, I feel like, as selfish as it sounds, I wish he had just fought harder. Yeah. And it's very hard because I don't understand that addiction. Yeah. So, and I've never done that. I never will. But to put, the only way I can understand it is that I put the eating disorder before a lot of people. Yeah. And he put his addiction before a lot of people. But 
his addiction took his life. Yeah. And now I don't get those hugs anymore. And, you know, I have, I missed out on a lot of years of memories with him. Yeah. Because he got so angry at me when I moved here. He didn't understand why I had to move. Yeah. His mentality was, we'll protect you from the situation I was in and you can stay. Yeah. And he didn't understand how difficult it was for me to be in Baltimore. And yeah. that I needed for my safety, to leave. my mental health to leave that mm-hmm. situation completely. So for years, he did not speak to me. Yeah. And it was not until our friend Laura's father passed away that he spoke to me again because he came to her father's Shiva house. Yeah. And I of course was there because she was like one of my closest friends at the time. And I flew up before the funeral to be a part of like helping the family get ready for yeah. the funeral. Because I told her when he got sick, when it happens, call me and I will be on the next flight. Yeah. And we had to pay like $600 to get me to Baltimore that night. Yeah. But I was in Baltimore that night with her and her family. And I actually, one of the scariest things I've ever had to do in my life, past the abuse, past everything else, her brother and all, and I went into the room with the casket and had to look at his body before the family came in to mm-hmm. let them know if they would be okay to see his yeah. body or like how you know sad it is. Yes. But I hadn't seen him since he got cancer. So I didn't know how much weight he lost. Yeah. I still am haunted sometimes by, by that. that. Yeah. Um, but I did it. She was my best friend and she needed me to do it. Yeah. And my dedication and devotion to my friends always comes first. Yeah. Um, but that was the first time Robbie talked to me again was that trip. And then we got close. It's like we picked up right where we left off. Yeah. Um, and then when he was going through his addiction, I would, I sent him money, but I told him to always send me a receipts. Yeah. For what he was using the money for. Cause I thought in some way that would mean that he wasn't using it for drugs. Yeah. But he would send me pictures of the refrigerator, pictures of the receipts and pictures of himself. And I had him check in with me a couple times a week to yeah. make sure he was alive. So when he passed, when he died, I remember I was sitting at Passover Seder and it was the break and I happened to go on Facebook Yeah, and it was there and I completely fell apart. Like my, my world shifted in a way that I didn't know was possible that day. Yeah. And then it just got worse when Kevin died a few weeks later. Like I, that year was awful, but so I don't, I don't have those memory, like those memories. I, I feel like sometimes I get very sad thinking that almost like that I was selfish to move here because mm-hmm. I missed out on those memories with Robbie and I missed out on a possible like long-term relationship with Kevin and like now they're gone and I don't get to make memories with them anymore. Yeah. And, but then I have to remind myself that, like, if I had stayed in Baltimore. Your life would be completely different. I wouldn't have a life. Yeah. Because the eating disorder would have consumed me. He would have, the the piece of shit would have still been stalking me. 
I would have ended up killing myself. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have been able to deal with it. Yeah. Or I would have gotten into drugs and that would have killed me. Yeah. So I had to leave for my safety and, you know, it just took time for Robbie to understand that. Kevin always understood that. Yeah. But. Robbie didn't. Robbie couldn't. And I don't know if it was because he was going through something even then that he just didn't talk about. Yeah. And he just wanted me there. Because I remember when I would go back to Baltimore after we got back in touch and I would see him, he would like cling to me when we would hug. And like almost like he didn't want me to go. Maybe you were that memory for him. Might have been. I don't know. I mean, Robbie and I always had good memories. Yeah. I remember when I went to his house to see his mom, I sat at the same kitchen table that him and I used to sit at. And... It took everything in me not to just start crying sitting mm-hmm. there. And I cried the whole way back to Adam's house, walking back through that area from Adam's to Robbie's and back. I cried and I called my mom. And I was so glad I went to see his mom. Yeah. It was just so nice getting to talk to her. But it was also just like sitting in that little, they had like a booth. Mm-hmm. And just sitting there and remembering like all of the times we ate you know, easy Mac together. Yeah. And all the times we sat there talking and, you know, going across the street to watch him play basketball and sitting by, they have like a koi pond in the front sitting by the koi pond and talking to him. Like that whole house has so many memories for yeah. me. And it was just very, it felt almost haunted that. Yeah. Cause that was the first time I was in that house without him there. Yeah. And it was just, it was hard, but you know, those are memories that I cherish and I just hit, you know, when we lose people, it's always sad that, you know, those, that's all you have, that's all back you on. have left. Memories are all you, that's have, all you left. have left. So like with you and me and, you know, Emily and me and the friends that I still keep very close to me, Kim and me, and you know, I'm, I'm able, you know, I still have more memories that I can make with you guys. Yeah. But what Robbie's death, Kevin's death, Basilio's death, Asa's murder, all of those things, all that tells me is that we don't know what's going to happen. No, we don't really don't. And I feel like some people think that's so cliche and, but we really don't No, You know, I was, I was talking to a childhood friend of mine today and I think of him every November because he is the reason that I got to see my grandmother the last time I did. Yeah. And it was like two weeks before she died. Yeah. So the infection that killed her was already forming when I was with her that trip. Yeah. And I'm the last person from my immediate family to have been able to see her before she died. And I cherish those memories yeah. of that trip so much. Because I didn't know that that was, was the gonna, last yeah. time I was going to see her. Yeah. And I am so thankful to him for taking me to Alexandria to have dinner with my grandmother. Yeah. And for putting up with, you know, her spending the entire dinner talking about me. Because, like, we walked into the restaurant and she said to the hostess, my beautiful granddaughter came to have dinner with me. Yeah. This is her friend, but this is my beautiful granddaughter. Yeah. And I was at the table to the waiter. This is my beautiful granddaughter. She came to visit me. Yeah. And, you know, we went to Ross and she took me shopping. This is my beautiful granddaughter. Yeah. And, you know, like, I remember thinking to myself, like, 
she she when I was in treatment, she used to send me packages yeah. of yarn and knitting supplies, and she would write to Alicia Beautiful Oppen. Yeah. And she, I think she felt that she had to tell me as many times as possible that I was beautiful because she figured that if she said it enough, I would believe, believe it. it. Yeah. But I remember, like, I, I loved that trip with her, and it meant so much to her. Yeah. And now it means so much to me, more so than it did even then. Because you look back on it. Because I can look back on it. Yeah. And know that at least for her and my grandfather, my last memories with them were happy ones. Yeah. To my grandfather, my last memory with him was his last birthday. Yeah. You know, his birthday's April 23rd. He died May 17th. Yeah. So, and I was there for his last birthday. He only wanted it to be my mom and Lafayette, his partner. Yeah. But he let my mom's best friend, Elise, and me come to the birthday as well. So it was just us. And that was his last birthday, and I got to spend it with him. And it was a great memory. It still is. It's, it's something I cherish because the last thing I got to say to my grandfather was, I love you. Yeah. And it's the same thing, that the last thing I got to say to my grandmother. And that's so powerful. That's my great-grandmother. The last memory I have was we did a family dinner. She was very sick. So mm-hmm. my grandmother was a very big woman. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very sick. And we went to the family restaurant that we always went to. Mm-hmm. It was Beats Country Kitchen. It was up the street from my grandparents. And we rented the back room. It was her birthday. She had already been diagnosed with cancer. She was had lost a lot of weight. She didn't look like herself. And I remember going up in front of everybody and singing to her. And I remember looking over and her crying. And I think she knew at that moment. Her birthday was July 26th. She passed away August 31st. So, so I think that she knew, mm-hmm. like, this was going to be the last birthday. Like, she could feel it in her gut. And I remember, like, looking back now, it breaks my heart to think and remember her crying. But it also warms my heart because I feel like during that time, that's when I found my passion for music. Mm -hmm. So I feel like everything that I did in in middle school, in high school, in college with music, she was a part of it. And she got to see the very beginning of it blossom. Yeah. So that memory for me as – Horrible as it is because of the condition she was in Mm -hmm. and she declined very fast. Um, I also cling to it because that is the last happy memory. I mean, the only other memory I have of her is seeing her a few days before she passed away and she couldn't speak. Yeah. She couldn't, you know what I mean? Like she could acknowledge that we were there, but she wasn't like fully there. Mm -hmm. She was suffering. Um, And in that moment I knew she was sick, but she was still able to have a conversation with me. I could still, the memory, I still have the memory of feeling like her arms around me and smelling her. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's really important. And, you know, again, when we do go, that's all, that's all we have. Yeah. You know, so I think it's really important to savor what you have and document what you can. Mm-hmm. Again, you can, it's a hard balance, but I think, you know, especially when we get into the episode of kids, That is one of the core things that I always say I really wish my family did more of growing up because I don't have, you know, my earliest memories are probably like fifth grade. And I'm sure I can go back like if I jog Mm -hmm. it, but like fully remembering like a solid memory of like a whole day, it might be like fifth grade. Mine would be when I was four, but that was because that's the day I cut my hair off. Oh, well, okay. 
I remember that. Really I have well. bits and pieces from when I was younger, but like it's very, very like hazy. That's the only day I remember from that young is the day I cut yeah. my hair off. From fifth grade on, like I can vividly yeah. remember. But I feel like had I had pictures, it would kind of, you know, jog my memory and be like, oh, I remember that day. I don't have that. Yeah. So I want my kids to be able to look back and be like, oh, I remember that day. This and this happened. Oh, I remember the conversation. Or I remember. So I think, you know, memories are very important. And I think, you know, you store them differently. You react to them differently. And there's different kinds of memories that you make along the way. Yeah. Um, Some of them are meant to teach you a lesson. And I think they do. Not at that moment. They may not be teaching you the the lesson at that moment. Yeah. But in the long run, when you look back, they were there to teach Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. To have a teachable moment. Absolutely. I mean, now that I'm a year out of the relationship, I can actually, like, realize the lessons that I learned from dating Mike. Like, I, I, I can acknowledge the lessons that came out of that relationship um which I couldn't do you know when you were in six seven months ago even it wasn't until Canada came into my life that I even like you know fully 100% cut him out of my life yeah um I haven't spoken to him since Canada came into my life um but you know memories are amazing but it's important that we continue to make them. Yeah. Because we don't know when you something's going to happen. And I think this will good be good to tie into our grief and loss. Absolutely. Um, so stay tuned because that will come into play here. Um, but yeah, maybe we can do like a recap or another episode on different types of memories. Okay. What was your fondest memory? What was a memory you wish would have never happened? Because I feel like there's some of those. Well, that'll tie into our domestic violence. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I think with memories, like, I think it is something that we have to cherish, Mm -hmm. good and bad. Yeah. It's also, I think everybody needs to remember that it's important to continue to make these memories and to just live your life the way that you want to live it and have the people in your life that you want to have in your life to make those memories because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. No, you don't. So, you know, make your decisions for what's going to make you happy. Yeah. Not, not and keep making memories. Because, again, if you want your legacy to live on when you think about that, especially if you have children, mm-hmm. that's all they're going to have to look back on. So make the memories. Document them. Live in the moment. Whatever you choose to do. But make those core memories because sometimes that's what gets you through. Yeah, absolutely. With that, I think we're going to end the episode there. Yep, sounds good. So stay tuned.